Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Most of last week I spent in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Convention. Uh, It happens every three years, and it's about six days full of of meetings and getting updates on different resolutions and voting on them and looking at amendments and filling boards. It is about as thrilling as it sounds. It is long days. It is tiring days of trying to, you know, weigh between the various options of of, uh, and and some, some joyous things of hearing about uh, the work that's going on in our country as well as throughout the world. But it's also long, long days. And, and uh, so after uh, one, of, one of the kind of longest days, most full of a little bit of contentious and just a lot of business we had to take care of, a uh, couple, couple of my friends said, we're, we're getting out of here uh, as soon as it's done and we're going to dinner. And one of the guys said, I'm paying for it. And I was like, all right, you had me at dinner, but let's, let's go. And, and so we're walking to this place. I don't know anything about where we're going, uh, but we walk in and come to find out it is a Brazilian steakhouse. Now, if you haven't been to a Brazilian steakhouse, they have a, kind of a, a, a unique way do, uh, of, of doing uh, food. So you, so you sit down at the table and uh, at this particular uh, steakhouse, they gave us a, a, a token. It was almost like a chess piece. Uh, and on the top half was painted green. And the bottom half was painted red. And, and they said, all right, just keep it up, up green until you think you've had enough, and then flip it over uh, to the red side. I say, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, you, you know, and so then what happens, you sit down, and they, someone walks around with a, a giant, you know, a rack of some kind of meat and say, would you like the sirloin? And you go, well, sure, it's, it's steak. And they cut off a piece right in front of you and they hand it to you. And as you get ready to cut that, then someone else comes around and said, this is bacon-wrapped chicken. And you go, you had me at bacon. And they cut a slice of that off for you. And this just keeps going. As long as your token is on green, they keep coming around with all these options. And the hard part about it is, you assume all of it's good, but at some point you're going to get something that, that's the best out of all of it. And you don't want to turn it down just in case that's really so. You just say, yeah, sure, let, let, let's just keep going. And all of a sudden you've got this giant you know, pile of meat on, on your plate. So eventually uh, you have to take the token and you kind of turn it over, over to red. And there was kind of agreement at the table. All right, let's, let's take a break uh, for a little bit. And we're talking, we're enjoying the meal and then a person comes around again with the sirloin steak from before. One of the guys at the table, that was his favorite. So he reaches over, almost knocks the water cups over, grabs the token, slams it back to the green side, and goes, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Give me some of that sirloin steak. And it went that way for about another hour of alternating between green and red. And just when you think, all right, there's no way you could possibly have room for more, more meat. One of the guys said, no, I, 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 I can't go without this. This is essential. And so he'd flip it back over to green. It's, it's a really cool dining experience. I would highly recommend it if you don't have any sort of physical activity that you have to do for about 38 hours after that. Uh, but the more I've been thinking about it, I, I really think this, that dining experience 
is a pretty good picture of life in 2023. It is, we wake up in life, we sit down, and there's all sorts of options, good options that are paraded around for us each and every day. Is, you want some entertainment. Well, can, can I offer you, uh, you know, six seasons of something on Netflix, or there, there's Disney Plus, that there's, there's live TV, there's YouTube, and there's all these different things that end up piling on our plates. Or if you want sports, we've got live sports. You can play sports. You can listen to other people talk about sports. And we oh yeah, I, I want more of that. I, I don't want to miss out on anything in case I don't hear about the trade or don't watch the game. I could miss something live, and if I watch it afterwards, it's not going to be the same. So, so please, I, I need more of that. And we have all these various experiences. Well, you can join this organization. You don't want to miss out. You have to contribute to this cause. You want to do this. And all this stuff ends up just getting piled on our plates. Because you have to support this. You have to be a part of that. You have to know this. You can't miss out on that. You have to make sure you pay attention to this. You watch this channel. And all along, we end up with all these options that are paraded around. And for fear of missing out on something that could possibly be the best, we just keep our little token on green the, the entire time. And the question is, is it ever enough? Does it ever actually satisfy? Have we really ever gotten the best option that is out there? See, this is the question that the prophet Isaiah is bringing up in our text from chapter 55. He asks, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread or labor for that which does not satisfy? See, the prophet isn't saying, don't enjoy anything in the world. Keep yourself distant from anything that is out there. No, he's asking us to consider what is it that is truly essential? What is it that we can't live without? Because that is really the, the promise of all these things that, that are available in the world is, well, I have to have this. If I don't have this, then somehow I, I'm, I'm missing out. Somehow I, I'm not uh, satisfied. Somehow I'm not complete. I, 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 must, uh, be in, I must be in, in a relationship. I, I must have this experience. My kids must have everything possible in the world. Otherwise, I'm failing as a parent. I'm not doing whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. And when everything becomes essential, what gets squeezed out in our time, what gets squeezed out in our finances, what gets squeezed out in our lives, ultimately is the things that actually last. One of the first things that they squeeze, well, I, I, don't, I don't have time for devotions. I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time for this. I don't have energy uh, to deal with this conflict. I don't have energy to pour into my family because we're doing all these other things. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? See, the issue isn't that there's all these options in the world because we have a generous God who, who lovingly lavishes his gifts on his children. No, it's not that, that there's, there's options out there for us. The issue is that when those options become essential that we can't live without them. 
Because Scripture has a word for that. It's called idolatry. When something becomes, uh, fr- goes from a gift to the ultimate thing, when we lose sight of the giver of the gift and worship the gift instead, that's idolatry. And all idols demand sacrifice. Even if it was something good to start with, all idols demand sacrifice. And, and so what do we sacrifice at the altar of all these various options in our life? Most of the time we, we sacrifice our, our health when we don't get rest because we are so filled with all these things in our lives. We sacrifice our relationships as instead of pouring into the people that God has entrusted us with to care for. We don't have time and energy because we're so busy with everything else that we think is essential. We sometimes end up sacrificing our, our morals uh, for the sake of pursuing and getting more, cutting corners in order to achieve that which we think will satisfy. We sacrifice any number of things at the altar of our own satisfaction, and yet we never quite find enough. See, most of us, as we look at at our schedules, we look at our lives, we look at just how full everything is, what comes to to mind is we think, "I, I just can't say no. I can't say no. I, I say yes to this, I say yes to that, and, and, and you know, when someone asks me to do something, I, I, I just say yes every time. I, I, I just I can't say no. That's my problem. I was talking with a classmate at the seminary a couple of years ago, and this exact uh, dilemma came up. He said, I'm worried about being a pastor and setting boundaries because I can't say no to anything now. And he listed off the couple things that he had said yes to, which he really didn't need to do. And every once in a while, uh, I think the Holy Spirit brings us uh, wisdom, and I end up saying something insightful. And this was one of those moments where out of nowhere I, I said, no, your problem isn't that you can't say no. The reality is you're very good at saying no. Because when you said yes to this and yes to that and yes to that, you know what you were saying no to? You were saying no to your health. You were saying no to your family. You were saying no to all these other responsibilities that you have. The issue isn't that you can't say no. The issue is that you can't say yes to the right things. can't say yes to that which is best. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? The question Isaiah puts, us, puts before us today is not what are the options out there in the world. The question the prophet puts before us is what actually matters? What's going to happen if you don't watch that show, if you don't follow every step of that team, if you aren't on this social media? What's going to happen? What are you going to miss out? And ultimately, I mean, the harshest version of the question is, who, who cares if you don't have this or do this or experience this? What is the end result really going to be? Because when we press ourselves to really evaluate our lives through that lens, we realize things aren't all going to fall apart if I don't have this or do this or if my family doesn't experience this. 
And when all those options get pushed away, when we finally flip that token in the life of the world from green to red and we realize there's all this good, th- good stuff around me, but I don't need it on my plate currently, we then are able to see what God is inviting us to, the, the feast that he is inviting us to participate in. This is how Isaiah puts it in verse 1 and 3 of our text for today. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Come, you who are thirsty, come buy and eat without cost without price because the price has been paid the point that's been made not just here but throughout scripture is you're not going to find enough you're not going to find satisfaction in the things of this world but in the one who created the world the invitation is is come come to your god and receive freely that which he offers His gifts of forgiveness, of life, of salvation, come. The price has been paid. Forgiveness has been won on the cross. It is for you. You've been brought into His family. That's where you find satisfaction. See, if we're to summarize this aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ in three words, we would say, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Right? Being in His family, being in His house, receiving His gifts, that is enough for us. And that's not to say God can't pour on top of that His abundant blessings. Blessings that we experience through the people, the things, the, the experiences of this world. But it's to say when all that gets stripped away, at the end of the day, I don't need those things. I need Jesus. He is enough. And when we understand this, when this becomes the foundation for our life, I think it fundamentally changes the way we interact with our world. I think especially of our college students. Uh, This uh, this weekend, we're kind of celebrating our college students. At the the late service today, uh, we're going to be celebrating our high school graduates, uh, doing our our traditional blanket blessing. And uh, I think if if there's any place that is kind of a, a microcosm of what's going on in the world, in terms of this buffet of all these options that are overwhelming, it's college. Because as you transition into college, it seems like your plate is empty. Everything from before is open, and there's all these options. Fill your life with this. Be this person. Do this. Participate in this. And there's just a myriad of options. And what happens is, is God becomes pushed out of the picture. So yeah, maybe I'll return to that someday. That's kind of the, the, the feast of the world in that part of life. And most of our young people buy it hook, line, and sinker, becoming convinced, I must have this, I must be this, I must do this. 
But what if we already knew None of those things, not, not that, that club, if I change my, my major, if I'm a part of this, if I'm friends with this person, if, if I'm involved in this, if I succeed in this, none of that is going to satisfy me. Those are things that I may praise God for, but, but they are not the essential, the core of who I am, of what I need. They are not my life. My life is in Christ Jesus. If he is enough, that changes the way I respond to the ways of the world. Instead of having the token on green, receiving everything, things that may, not, may be good, but may be push out that which is best. Flip it over to red, and we can actually value it and realize this is good stuff, but I don't need it on my plate at this moment because instead, I need Jesus. And it's easy for this to be just true theologically. Yeah, this is, this is true in terms of our, our beliefs, but the reality is in hearing from those who have nothing else, we can be encouraged that yes, in fact, Jesus is enough. You see, in the midst of a whole bunch of meetings and voting and all that at the convention, we also got to hear from uh, from some people who are experiencing tremendous uh, persecution in their faith. We heard from a, a pastor from Finland who w- was put in prison for uh, teaching uh, the biblical doctrine of marriage, one man, one woman, for life. And he was imprisoned for that. And, and hearing him share with us that when his Bible was taken away, They took away his church, his preaching, his ministry, his books. But they could not take away his Jesus. And so he had the peace that passes all understanding even in prison, persecuted for his faith. And even now that he's been released, the charges were dismissed. The case was won. He still lives knowing that Jesus is enough. We heard from a pastor in Ukraine his country has experienced a tremendous amount of conflict and war over the past year. And many of these, these uh, international visitors, they brought something from their country to give to Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And this pastor, this uh, president of uh, their synod in uh, Ukraine brought a helmet. Uh, not a bike helmet, a, a war Helmet, and you could see that it had been used. And, and he, he told us that this helmet was given to his church by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, by our church body. And it saved his life on two different occasions. Not because he was sitting in church and his church got attacked, but because he went behind enemy lines to bring the word and the sacraments to his people. Because he knew that's what they needed. More than anything else, they needed Jesus. Because Jesus is enough, even when everything else is crumbling down around you. I think of the shut-in member that I visited a couple years ago while I was at the seminary. They were connected with a fieldwork congregation, and I went to see this woman, and she was approaching 100 years old and was having some health problems, was disoriented. And she kept saying the same phrase over and over and over again. She said, I love my Jesus. He is always with me. 
After a hundred years on this earth, this is what she was holding on to at the very end. I love my Jesus. He is always with me. Because at life's end, Jesus is enough. I think about those families that I've known, that I've worked with uh, over, over many years who want the best for their kids. And in order to do that, they recognize that the best investment I can make in them is to invest in their faith. And so they, they sacrifice that their kids uh, can be a part of a Lutheran school. They, they uh, give of their time so that their family is, is plugged in in youth group. They're active in Bible study on Sunday mornings. They give because they know at the end of the day the best thing I can provide for my family is what God has provided in His Son, Jesus Christ, in His body, the church. Because Jesus is enough. Think about those college students uh, that, that I've known that instead of going and living the way uh, of the world, of simply buying into uh, the essential things of the world where they go and say, no, I am primarily here to live out my vocation, to, to grow so that I can better serve the world, but I'm here as a witness of Christ. I know who I am. I'm a loved, baptized child of God. And they live that out as they get connected in a campus ministry, in a local congregation, wherever they are. Because Jesus is enough. I think of many of our famous hymn writers who these beautiful words came out of a place of suffering, of loss. The hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, written by Horatio Spafford after he had lost most of his family and his entire business to separate tragedies. He writes, I can still say it is well with my soul because in the midst of loss, tremendous loss, Jesus is enough. The old African-American spiritual, give me Jesus. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of tremendous injustice, our brothers and sisters that came before us saying, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. See, Jesus is enough in the midst of war, in the midst of conflict, of injustice, of persecution of being overwhelmed with options. Jesus is enough in the midst of plenty, in the, in the midst of need. That means He is enough for you. Whatever you are facing, whatever it is that you are bearing, you have Jesus. As He holds on to you through His promises in the waters of baptism, as He meets you here through His Word, as He is present truly with us in His body and blood, Jesus is enough. And that allows us to look at, at the various options in the world and, and to thank God for His blessings that He showers on us, to enjoy the gifts, the people that He puts around us. But it also allows us, at times, to flip the token to red, to look at all these things that are around us and say, those are good things. They're good things, but I don't need them on my plate right now. In fact, I don't need them at all because they are not essential. What is essential is what God has given me in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home.